We're living with so much stress, anxiety, worry, and tension that we're misrepresenting the character of God to a watching world, and we're allowing the enemy to steal away, which is his job. He steals, kills, and destroys. He's stealing away the abundant life that's been promised to us. Stress is a feeling of emotional or physical tension. It can come from any event or thought that makes you feel frustrated, angry, or nervous. Stress is your body's reaction to a challenge or a demand. In short bursts, stress can be positive, such as when it helps you avoid danger or meet a deadline. But when stress lasts for a long time, it can harm your health. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Rick Warren is one of our broadcast ministries here on Bot Radio Network. He has said that developing the habit of being continually aware of God's presence in your life is vital to reducing pressure and increasing personal peace in your heart. Vance Pittman, pastor of Hope Church in Las Vegas, Nevada, a church he planted back in 2001, has written a book, the stressless life, experiencing the unshakable presence of God's indescribable peace. Rick Warren continues to say that this book will show you the path to replacing stress with serenity. You need to read this book. And Vance Pittman is on the line right now from Las Vegas. Brother Vance, I need to read that book now. I'll tell you about some of my stress leading up to this interview. Yes, sir, Byron. It's great to be with you. And uh, thanks for sharing Rick's book, too. Rick has been such a friend. When I moved to Las Vegas uh, in December of 2000 to begin the process of planting Hope Church, one of the first guys, honestly, who called me out here in Vegas was Rick. And Rick reached out because we both come out of the same tribe of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he was congratulating me on being, in his mind, the next church planter sent to the West. And he went in 1978. So (laughs) we don't have a real strong track record in the West, but God's doing some great stuff in the West. And Rick's been a great friend and encouragement uh, to my life out here for many, many years. Oh, I love that. I love that, Vance. You know, we are having some meetings here in Memphis right now. The founder and president of our company, Mr. Dick Bott and Rich Bott, his son, who this company now is celebrating this year, 60 years of broadcasting. Wow. And we were talking, somehow the story of Las Vegas came up into our conversation. He said, you know, it was back in, I think he said the late 60s, maybe 70s or something. He said somebody that he knew was going to Las Vegas to either start a church or be part of a church. And he thought, do they have churches in Las Vegas? I mean, is, what's, <laughs> what's really going on in Las Vegas? He said, I've got to find out for myself to find out, well, yeah, they've got more than just casinos, you know? <laughs> There's yeah. people living life. That's one of the reasons God called you, I know, to plant this church. I was just thinking, Vance, it was on October the 1st, 2017, when Stephen Paddock, a 64-year-old man from Mesquite, Nevada, opened fire upon the crowd attending the Route 41 Harvest Music Festival there in Las Vegas. You joined me on the show shortly after that tragic event to share how your church was engaging traumatized people, including first responders. No doubt. Yeah, that was a, uh, a huge, huge day in Las Vegas history, a tragic day in Las Vegas history. And it's a day that we still, you know, people who live here, you you mentioned Las Vegas is known for, obviously, the Strip. But the way I try to explain Las Vegas to people that haven't been here, because, you know, I'm from Alabama originally, and uh, where I'm from, people don't go to Las Vegas, and if they do, they don't tell anybody. (laughs) Uh, But uh, Las Vegas is kind of like Disney World in Orlando, Florida. So you got this adult Disney World downtown that is the Las Vegas Strip. It's where we get about a million tourists a week. 
But then you have a city of about 2.3 million people. So I know uh, Bot Radio and there in Memphis is your kind of headquarters. Memphis is a city of just over a million people. So Las Vegas is more than double the size of Memphis. And since I've lived here, the population of Memphis has literally relocated to Las Vegas. We've had 1.4 million people move here in my 20 years here. And it's this massive city of, of people just like everywhere else. There's schools and doctor's offices and restaurants and stores and malls, but it's people that are in desperate need of the gospel. 92% of our city have no relationship with Jesus. So when we see a tragedy like October 1, man, it opened up an opportunity for years for us to continue to reach out to our community, serve our community, uh, share the gospel with our community. We saw many people come to faith in Christ and a lot of people turn to Christ in the midst of that tragedy, realizing the, the brevity and the frailty of life. In a Mayo Clinic report, they say your body is hardwired to react to stress in ways meant to protect you against threats from predators and other aggressors. Now, when stressors are always present and you constantly feel that you're under attack, fight or flight reaction stays turned on. And the long-term activation of the stress response system and the overexposure to cortisol and other stress hormones that follows can disrupt almost all of your body's processes. Now, you and I aren't medical doctors, and we don't play them on the radio either, but this leads up to anxiety, depression, digestive problems, headaches. We're going to talk about a real-life situation that really caused you to write this book, The Stressless Life, coming from your own personal experience, being a pastor, trying to get a ministry off the ground. That's a stress in itself when you make a move with your family you know, across the country, but take on an adventure of a church planner? Come on, Vance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just said a couple of things that are very important. You're basically quoting the American Institute of Stress. They say 77 percent of all Americans regularly experience physical symptoms that are caused by stress. And 48 percent of Americans struggle to sleep at night because of stress. That means half of everybody that you come into contact with last night didn't sleep as well as they could have because of stress. And you're right. I wrote this book because of my own personal journey. Moved to Las Vegas in 2000, began the church in 2001, uprooted my family, changed culture, changed geography, changed location. And we gave our lives to the city and we came at it hard. And planting a church anywhere is hard. Being in leadership is hard. But when you talk about being in leadership in a different culture and context than your normal context and planting a church in a non-typical city like Las Vegas that's very unchurched, very not gospel-saturated at all, it's not the Bible Belt at all, there are so many challenges that go with that. And then God blessed our work, and we began to grow fast, and because of the growth, it was like drinking out of a fire hydrant from physical climate challenges. We finally built a building, and, and after building that building and raising $15 million, we had a flood that came through the desert, and our entire campus was underwater. We had the economic collapse of 07, 08, 09 that cost us a third of our church fellowship, and the city was just ravaged. We just had challenge after challenge led up to 2013 in my life where I hit a wall. My doctor describes it as I basically had a physical version of a mental breakdown. My body just shut down after 13 years of running hard, not managing my schedule, overworking, taking all the responsibility on myself. I hit a wall and I came home one night from work. I sat down with my family to dinner. 
I really couldn't process what was going on. I went to bed and I didn't wake up for eight days. I slept for eight straight days. My wife would bring food to the bed. I didn't eat it, lost 18 pounds. And it led to me having to do a reboot, kind of a hard reset of my life. I had some people that loved me, cared enough about me to step in and put me on pause basically for nine months, pulled all the stuff off my schedule and did a hard reboot in my life. And what I discovered on that journey is that there is another way. As Christians, we are not immune from stressors, those things in life that can cause stress, those difficult, hard circumstances. The Jesus follower is not immune from those things, but Jesus offers us a path and a life that allows us to enjoy life and not just endure it. There is another way for you and I to have peace in the midst of the storm. Vance, you say in the book that all the solutions to those many problems that you just described, you thought those solutions to those problems had to come through you. Is that something that you learned in seminary? (laughs) No, I didn't learn that in seminary. Uh, That's some of that real-life experience stuff. You know, I, I define stress in the book. There are a lot of definitions for stress. And before you continue... Can we say yep. that you were a seasoned preacher kid? You grew up in <laughs> the ministry? Sure. I did. Bob Pittman, your dad, what a yep, great man absolutely. of God. I love your yep, dad. Yep, he pastored so, during Memphis for two decades. And I know that he instilled in you so much of the ministry beyond seminary training. You didn't have to go to seminary if you had Bob Pittman as a dad. So I just want to put that little caveat in there, knowing that you knew what you were getting into when you got into the ministry. No doubt. Uh, My dad, in my opinion, and I know I'm biased, but my dad is the greatest pastor that I've ever known. In my opinion, he's the greatest expositor of the Old Testament of the last probably 50 to 75 years. My dad can take the Old Testament narrative and exposit scripture. So you're right. I had a foundation. I had the heritage. I had this seed sown in my heart, but I still made the mistake of trying to shoulder all of this stuff on my own. And what I was about to say was that the way I define stress in the book is fearful concern when life's demands seem greater than my ability to meet them. And I distinguish between fearful concern and genuine concern because there is legitimate concern that we have things in our lives that cause us concern. But for the Christian, the right response, genuine concern is expressing a dependence on God. And in the midst of the stressful situation, we turn to him and say, what's he going to do? But fearful concern that leads to stress is when we look to ourselves and say, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to solve it? And when we look to ourselves, we always come up short, and our response is going to be stress. You walk the readers through steps of experiencing God. Can you really have this kind of peace that we're talking about, this indescribable peace, without first having a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, you cannot know the peace of God without knowing the God of peace. The Prince of Peace is a person. And what we have been invited into is a personal love relationship with the Prince of Peace. And although there will be difficulty, there will be struggle, there will be challenge, there will be, will be obstacles in our lives, in every one of those moments, we've been invited to walk through those with a God who can give us peace in the midst of the storm. And Byron, as I've watched the last 24 months in our culture here in America, whether you're talking about the, the medical situation with the pandemic or the political situation with the vitriol that is now in politics and the, the toxicity that exists, the tragedy for me, as I've watched this over the last 24 months, is it's been an opportunity for Christians, for the followers of Jesus, 
to be different. Yes, we got the same junk that we're having to deal with that the world's dealing with, but we get to deal with it from the posture of walking with a God who is sovereign and in control. And the tragedy is, for a lot of the Christian community, we've looked just like the world. Yes, We've been just as stressed over politics and over the pandemic and over the, the medical situation as the world has been, rather than turning to Jesus and letting him give us peace in the midst of the storm. We've reacted in stress just like the world, and we've lost an opportunity to show the world the difference. Vance, I love this story you mentioned in the book about a standout football player from Penn State, Journey Brown, comparing his story to an important lesson about stress. Yeah. In the book, I talk about his story where he was at Penn State, was about to be this incredible superstar probably in the NFL, and went and took a, a stress test that revealed some stuff in his heart and he didn't he didn't pass the test and that's really what's happening for a lot of us as christians we're failing the stress test of life rather than turning to jesus and allowing the unshakable presence of his peace to guide and guard our hearts we're looking to ourselves to figure out the solutions the answers the ways to get over these situations and we're living with so much stress anxiety worry and tension that we're misrepresenting the character of God to a watching world, and we're allowing the enemy to steal away, which is his job. He steals, kills, and destroys. He's stealing away the abundant life that's been promised to us. You define peace as the sense of divine favor arising from confidence in God and your relationship with him. How did you arrive at that particular definition? Well, it's really contrasted with my definition of stress. Stress is my response when I look at life's demands and they seem greater than my ability to meet them. But when I look to Jesus and I look to the Lord and I'm, I'm grounded in my relationship with him, here's what I know. There's a sense of divine favor. I am his child. I'm a loved, accepted child of the Father. And today I don't have to earn that. And there's nothing in my life that's going to happen, good, bad, or ugly today that hasn't been filtered through the loving hands of my Father for me, who knows what's best for me, who desires what's best for me, and who has the ability to bring about what's best for me in my life. And so because of all of that, I can have confidence that He's in control and I don't have to worry about yeah. the situation in front of me. One of the opening statements you say in the book, the presence of stress doesn't need to dominate your life. I love that because we need to be reminded of that. Well, and really, it's about Scripture. Jesus, in the Word of God, tells us, do not be anxious about anything in Matthew chapter 6. And Paul writes to the church in Philippians 4, and he says, be anxious for nothing. In both of those, Jesus' words in Matthew 6 and Paul's words in Philippians 4 are imperatives, which means they're not suggestions for us to consider. They're not aspirations for us to pray for. They're commands for us to obey. For the Christian to allow stress and tension and worry to dominate their life is to live in disobedience to God. Yeah. He's promised us an alternative, and it should not be that which dominates our life. Well, you know, we seem to divide the cares and concerns. We take care of the little things and think we can ask God to help us with those really big concerns. Yeah. In Philippians, back to that text, Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing but in everything. In everything. The word everything in the Greek language is the word pas. It means everything, the whole, and everything, each individual part. It's the whole of my life. And sometimes we're okay giving God the big trajectory, but where we struggle is in the detail. But the, the, the everything there is not just the whole, the trajectory, 
It's every minute detail of my life. I can entrust it to him. And when I do that, the great exchange is an indescribable peace. Paul says it this way. He says it's a a peace that passes all comprehension. It means you can't explain it. It doesn't make sense, but it's a gift of God in response to trusting him. Vance, that is so rich. Well, in one of the steps, you talk about experiencing God's peace. I think some of our listeners might find it very difficult. It's the uh, step of being thankful. Some might be saying, Vance, you just don't know how my stressors are, and how can I thank God for something that's so painful in my life? Well, it's about reflecting on his character. God is faithful. And I think if I said that to a thousand Christians, 1,000 Christians would say, amen, God is faithful. But here's what that means. Every struggle in your life, every struggle you encounter is an opportunity for God to demonstrate his faithfulness. So in that moment, when that stressor comes into my life, that circumstance beyond my control, that situation I didn't see coming, I can thank God for what he's going to do. I don't have to be thankful for the situation. I don't have to be thankful for the uncomfortableness of what I'm facing, but I can thank God for what he's going to do. The children of Israel didn't have to be thankful for the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind them. But they could thank God for what he was going to do in parting the Red Sea. God is faithful, and the Bible says faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. Meaning, he didn't just call us to something and then say, hey, now you figure this thing out. He will bring it to pass, and we can be grateful because every opportunity in life is an opportunity for God to demonstrate his faithfulness. What was the most difficult part of the book for you to write, Vance? Well, the most difficult part of the book was probably the opening section, because what I told you when we began about my journey and that story, there are a lot of people in our own church who don't even know I went through that. It's the transparency of letting people see behind the curtain that you're not Superman. You don't have it all figured out. You do have problems in your own life was the biggest challenge, you know, getting to that place of being willing to say, you know what, I failed in this area. And it was out of failure that God taught me some life lessons that I think can now be beneficial to others. You ask a very sobering question in the running out of time chapter of the book. Is your schedule dictated by what's urgent or is it designed to accomplish what's important? I think that's a decision fault daily by many of our listeners. Yeah, there's this thing called the tyranny of the urgent. (laughs) And we all are often enslaved to that which is urgent. And that which is urgent can often be a distraction from that which is important. And if we're not careful in building our daily schedule, I'll take an entire chapter and walk through this thing of schedule. I do it out of the story of Mary and Martha and how their different approaches to their time with Jesus give us some great insight into schedule in our lives. But we have to make sure we're building our lives around that which is important. And when we do that, our schedule needs to reflect that. We build in margin. We build in white space because there are going to be things that happen in a day that we didn't see coming. That's why when you see Jesus's life in the Gospels, Jesus was often interrupted, but he was never in a hurry. He had built margin into his life for those interruptions that became divine appointments, and we have to deal with those, but our lives can't be dictated by those. It needs to be driven by that which is important, meaning we establish values, and values drive our decisions, and decisions shape our lives. Vance, you say that your wife, Christy, sometimes sends you to the store to buy the steaks. I think that's your expertise in steak buying. How does that relate to our conversation today? 
Well, I know for me, that's one of those situations at times that can be stressful. <laughs> it's one of those situations that I have to assume when she sends me to the store, that's one of those situations where I have to uh, lean on the Lord and let him give me guidance and counsel. But in particular, like I said, the illustration of my wife, it brings great stress into our lives. But God in his word, both in Proverbs and throughout the New Testament, has given us so much instruction about some principles that we can apply in our lives when it comes to making decisions. Things like uh, saturating yourself with God's Word and seeking wise counsel. Don't make decisions on an island. Three principles that kind of drive me in this thing of seeking wise counsel is my input is never enough because I don't know everything. My perspective is always limited because I can't see everything. And my flesh is always deceitful. My heart will lie to me about anything. And for that reason, I got to seek wise counsel from others and saturate myself with God's word or these moment by moment daily decision making opportunities can be those things that bring stressors into our lives. And if we're not careful, we look to ourselves and it will result in stress. Yeah. Another topic that you cover in the book is making ends meet, finding peace in our budgets, which is a really big thing, especially a big stressor in a lot of married lives. You know, one is a spender, one's a saver, trying to deal with covering all the expenses that a family has today. We either don't have enough money or we can't manage what we have. No doubt about it. Uh, one of the great things that drives stress in, in our context in, in a first world country like America is our relationship to money and how we handle it. And there are really four reasons why I think that money often leads to stress. And three of them are due to our own choices. One is a lack of contentment. We don't understand the difference between wants and needs. A need being something that makes life possible. A want is something that makes life easier. And because we're so driven by wants in our culture, this lack of contentment creates these stressors in our lives. The second is a love for money. We just have a love of money in our culture that saturates us. And, and it can the, the Bible tells us that the love of money can be the root of all sorts of evil. The third is we don't manage money by God's design. God's given us a design in his word with how to manage resources. And I walk through in the book kind of a little bit of a budgeting example about establishing these big priorities of giving to the Lord, saving for the future, and budgeting to live. And some people hear those as kind of bad words, this idea of a budget, but it's a way to eliminate stress from our lives. And God gives us instruction in his word. And another reason that sometimes financially we wind up in the midst of a stressful situation is it's really not about our choice. We're in the middle of something that's beyond our control. The reality is we all get caught up in financial troubles beyond our control at times. Yes. But the truth is those troubles are not beyond God's control. He's still sovereign. He still loves you and wants what's best for you. And he has the ability to bring it about. So we can turn to him with those situations and trust him to meet those needs. Vance, we're starting to wrap up the show. A couple of quick things. You mentioned about contentment, which you just spoke that a moment ago, where First Timothy speaks very clearly about contentment. You say that our definition of contentment is based upon a lie. What is that lie? Well, our definition of contentment is that when I get to the next thing, that that's going to satisfy me. But Paul tells us that the satisfaction can only be found in Christ. One of the stories that I love from the Bible is the story of, of Abraham in the Old Testament. And, and when you get to the end of Abraham's life in Genesis 25, chapter 25, verse 8, the Bible says Abraham died in a ripe old age, an old man, and here's the word, satisfied with life. And the word satisfied is a word that means to be full. The picture is Abraham got to the end of life's journey, 
and he pushed away from life's table so full he couldn't hold another bite. The lie of contentment that we believe is that somehow the, uh, the accumulation of more is going to bring me that contentment and satisfaction. And it's a lie because it's a cup with a hole in the bottom of it. The more we get, it leaks out and we have to go get more. Whatever level you achieve, the next level of achievement seems to be the, the one that's going to answer all the questions. And the reality is Abraham found satisfaction in life through his relationship with the father and walking in independence on the father and enjoying the blessings of the father. And that's where we have to be as Christians if we're going to experience the unshakable presence of God's indescribable peace. You dedicate this book to two people, Travis and Daryl. They helped you put the pieces back together. Yeah. How did they do that, Vance? Well, Daryl uh, is a guy who's been an executive coach in my life for about 17 years. He retired, moved to Las Vegas. He was an HR executive with Apple Computer. And he began to just coach me. And Travis has been one of the guys on my team for the last 17 years. And when I had the fall apart in 2013, those two guys, along with some others, but those two were the leaders who sat me down, walked me through a hard reset, put some boundaries and parameters in my life, and loved me enough to speak truth into my life, call me to deal with some of these things, and then build a new way of responding to stuff in my life. And honestly, I'm in ministry today, and I'm thriving in what God's called me to do today because God used some brothers who love me enough to come around me. You know, Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Those two guys, Daryl Brewster, Travis Ogle, God used in a great way to sharpen me. The Stressless Life, Experiencing the Unshakable Presence of God's Indescribable Peace by Vance Pittman with Sam O'Neill by Baker Books, wherever books are sold. I hope friends will get a copy of this book and read it and start having a stressless life. Vance, before we say goodbye, we have a mutual friend. hope you'll say hi for me, Michael Horner. Michael was in a Sunday school class I taught back when he was in a youth group at our church. And wow. uh, he and his dear wife, Micah, and their how many children now? I don't know. But uh, yeah, you're getting is as good as mine they, because every time I talk to them, they've had another one. Well, they moved out there <laughs> un, under your leadership, and I think a church has yeah. been planted, and God's just doing great things. Yeah, Michael and Micah and their family moved out here, planted a church. Michael's just such an evangelist. He loves to lead people to Christ personally, and I will definitely pass along that hello. They've had a, a trying year with some health and medical issues, but they're just such a sweet couple, love Jesus, love their family, and so thankful to do life with them. Well, Vance, if somebody wants to know more information about your ministry, how can they find out? They can go to vancepittman.com. Uh, we've got stuff there. Or you can go to our church website, hopechurchlv.com. And then I'm on social media, Twitter, Instagram, just at Vance Pittman, and love to connect that way. Vance, God bless you, my dear brother. It's always a joy to talk with you. Thank you so much for what you're allowing Christ to do through you for his kingdom and for his glory. Thanks for being part of Bot Radio Network today. Byron, thanks for having me. God bless, my friend. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.